Hello and welcome to the Skin Philosophy Edit. My name is Anna Louise Kenny and with me is Jessica Stagg. In these podcast episodes, we bring to you industry experts who have been there, done that, paving the way to help educate and build you and your aesthetic business. And this is the latest episode of the Skin Philosophy Edit. Hi, Abigail. So today we have Abigail James. Abigail is an award-winning celebrity facialist. Um, you may know her from YouTube. She's a huge following on YouTube of 300,000 followers. And also as well as she's just released her second book and her podcast. Um, so we we're delighted to have you here, Abigail. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. How are you today? I'm good. A little bit flustered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But no, all good. Um, so we're basically going to start from the beginning. So I want you to tell me how you got into this industry, um, because I'm sure our listeners want to know how you become a celebrity facialist, how hard you have to work and where you have to start off. So oh, but there's, there's so much. <laughs> so I'm now 47 and I retrained as a beauty therapist uh, after I had my first daughter. I was 23 when I had my first daughter. And previously, I was told I had to be in the family food business. Uh, So I wasn't allowed to do what I wanted to. And I had severe postnatal depression after I had my first child. And I just couldn't go back into what I was doing. So at the time, I had a good friend who was a beauty therapist. And she used to come round and she'd paint my nails and do treatments on me. And I just loved what she did. So... I decided I'm going to take myself to night school. I did two nights a week for two years to get my MVQ2. Oh, wow. wow. And that was juggling um, one baby. At that, I'd probably then got two young babies. Yeah. And I found myself then as a single parent. Yeah. Um, but that was where the journey of this started. And I've spent a lot of that time since being that age continuing to learn and educate as well as trying to juggle work I always felt one thing that I did learn from my father he said kid whatever you do in life just be the best that you can be and for me keeping learning and educating throughout my career was such that's stuck in my mind that to be the best you've got to keep learning that was part of the journey Um, and you know hey presto I'm 47 and two books I've had my hands on a number of famous faces. So how did you find that with, um, because obviously two years of doing two nights means it's a very slow burner and it's a lot of hard work. And now obviously courses have changed and people are doing them in shorter spaces of time. Yeah. So if you could go back, would you wish that the courses were available at that time or are actually you, you're glad you put that time and effort into it? Yeah, great question. Because actually, after doing the two years part time to get my NVQ three, I had to go to college full time for a year. So I suppose back then the options of doing shorter courses probably weren't available. And me at that point in my life, I found myself on benefits. I was uh, I, I, I didn't have a car my you know my, my ex had gone bankrupt and we'd lost everything oh so I was I'd got two young children um at that point so I didn't have spare finances yeah mm-hmm. so for me being able to do that at the local college 
was actually what worked for me at that point in my life. Uh, You know, if I'd have been able to maybe learn quicker, maybe I could have got out in industry quicker. Yeah. So there's, you know, different ways of looking at it. Yeah, it's that flexible of making it work for you in those times. I think as well that when you're going through that process, it's, it all sounds amazing that you've managed to progress and achieve everything you've achieved. But really, when you are in that place of um, when you didn't have any finances, when you had the kids, that level of discipline at a long period of time, it does take you to, it does push you to different areas because it's it feels like that it's it feels like now it's just kind of a long distant memory but when you're in that moment you need to keep that strength for such a long time yeah I probably for me the the training and doing my job this thing that I'd found my passion it 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 was part of my sanity yeah. And, you know, just to stretch things on slightly, I, I then went on to have another relationship and had another child and ended up as a single parent of three children. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, life throws things at us. Yeah. And I found that between trying to literally put food on the table, raise the children, the career, the passion that I'd found with the beauty and the skin and the well-being and everything... That was my thing. Yeah. It became yeah. my hobby, my yeah. social life and everything. I couldn't yeah. afford actually to have a social life. So yeah. my, my work be- became mm. part of that. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I can I can talk about it and throw it off, you know, mm. and this is what happened. Yeah. But I know the struggles that went on for years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When I think about it now and even my kids are like, wow, I don't know how you did that, Mum. Yeah. 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 It's a big commitment. It's yeah. a big commitment to go for two years. I'll study and hopefully at the end it'll be OK yeah. and I'll be able to earn money out of this and I will love it mm-hmm. because a lot of people, you know, when you start doing it, it people don't realise when you start actually treating people's skin and, and making them feel better. It's such a great feeling. But you have to give a lot of trust, a lot of commitment to go, OK, well, I'm going to do this for two years and then it'll be all OK at the end. Yeah. So interestingly, at that point, I wasn't actually thinking of, OK, so I can earn this much as a therapist. I had just found something I loved and I was passionate yeah. about and yeah. I felt I was good at. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I'd have wanted to earn a lot of money, first yeah. off, I probably wouldn't have chosen beauty therapy. No, yeah. Yeah. You know, because yeah. actually beauty therapists yeah. often we're lowest in the stack yeah. mm-hmm. on, yeah. on the income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't really considered that. That yeah. wasn't my top priority. Yeah. And I know, you know, there, there's probably going to be therapists out there that, the view on it is quite different now it's like right this can be a a really you know money-making business Mm -hmm. but that wasn't my where I was coming from I was coming from a passion and a place of I I love what I do and I love to be able to help people yeah I mean I must admit the first year after I'd completed my first year I got a Saturday job in there was a spa this so this was out in Worcestershire uh, so there was a spa it's called Chapel Spa in Cheltenham yeah. and they needed a Saturday girl and I was the eldest because all the other therapists were younger than me because they'd done it maybe from school so I was coming in at like 26 or something yeah um, but I was just so happy to be cleaning up after these yeah. other therapists yeah. and feeling part of a team and yeah. 
So th- that became a social thing mm. for me. Yeah, I, it is part of mm. it. I do think p- people that go into this industry that you'll soon learn that you do have to have a passion for it. Um, it's, it is easy saying to begin with that you're gonna come into the industry and kind of do make a bit of extra cash and things like that but you are dealing with building up trust you're dealing with per- going into people's personal lives and um, the confidentiality building up the relationships the customer service but it, there's so much skill that goes into what you do as well as being a, an expert in skin yeah so and if you don't just, have that passion then yeah. like it's it's it, the business it, won't survive and it's not just that the business won't survive Part of it is someone, your customers, your clients are trusting you with their face, their body, their money, all of that. And then, you know, they're not stupid. They can tell if you're good at this, if you love what you're doing or not. And there are many therapists out there. There is a client for every therapist. And, you know, some some people might not resonate with me, but they're going to resonate with another therapist down the road. And that's amazing. But so... That shows if it's not your passion, go do something else. That yeah, actually yeah, you're exactly. probably you know going to be better placed because yeah. you spend your life working. Yeah, 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 and you have to love what you do. And even in this industry, there are actually loads of different avenues. So like after years, you know, you might you might go, okay, I'll decide doing another avenue rather than just doing skin treatments or making people feel good. But it is really important. Well, I went through a phase early on because back then you just did beauty therapy. The word facialist didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then <laughs> nail technicians yeah. became a huge thing, and that was a little segue that came off beauty therapists. Yeah. I desperately wanted to become an osteopath. But yeah, I did. I, I loved working with the body, yeah, yeah. but I didn't have the money or the time to go back to university. Yeah. <laughs> so I went down the rabbit hole of I trained in sports injury massage. So that was another year's course that I did um, and did lots of the holistic kind of things. And that was actually where my passion was. But yeah. one of the places that I started working in is called the Hay Barn, which is owned by Lord and Lady Bamford yes. yeah, yeah. in the Cotswolds. Yeah. And I was the only British therapist on the team at that time. So the Cotswold ladies, I was probably the one that was better placed to talk skincare to them. Yeah. So I then just started being booked. You know, I was probably the therapist being booked more for the facial side of things. And I got geeky about ingredients. I went off and trained as a Dr. Hauschka esthetician. Um, so get that, that was a, a pivotal point in my yeah. career. I was opened up to a totally different clientele. Yeah. I was going to um, some very famous people's homes. They would, you know, they'd come into treatments at the spa and they said, oh, would you would you be open to? And as a young therapist, you're like, OK. Mm. You know. <laughs> um, so it, it was a different opening up and experience at that particular time in my career. Yeah. So. I've had the holistic yeah. and the body work, and I trained as a uh, a VODA lymphatic drainage therapist. That, oh, wow. Yeah, that course was insane. Yeah. Um, but like I said, then got into the techie and the science and yeah. the gadgets and the lasers and peels and everything else you could be doing. We see, that's it. It's, it's kind of, it's like layers because I yeah. was I very much the same. You know, my first job was actually more nails. And I went and trained with Derm, Dermalogica when I was like six, eight months in. Now, this was... 
19 years ago so dermatological were new and like it changed okay my concept my you know and it added another layer to me then I worked in sanctuary then you know and you and you become this person with all the different layers like you had the lymphatic drainage and you had the body you know from from wanting to do osteopath you learned so much about massage muscles everything like that and that all contributed to how your facial massage is amazing and how you are so popular now and everyone loves because you've added those layers and I think it's so important to add different aspects not just one. I totally agree and that is what will make you stand apart from the therapist next to you. You can both do the same training course but actually what training have you done before or what training are you going to do afterwards because all of those little nuances they add to to your skill set and your persona. Exactly. It's very important in this industry, I think, to continue learning and to... Yeah. um, We never know enough this. Uh, Because I think it's very important as a therapist to, from time to time, put yourself back as the client. Yeah. Put yourself on the bed. Go and book in for a treatment somewhere. And I'm sure all of us in this room, you'll know almost as soon as that therapist puts her hands on your body or face, you know... Oh, this is going to be good or not? Yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely. Just that yeah. touch. Yes, you're just like, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. relaxed already. Yes, or oh my god, okay, yeah. this is going to be a challenging hour or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but we we all know that. Yeah. And as much as you can teach someone, I don't know, lasers yeah. or the sciency stuff, actually to teach someone, I call it listening with your hands. Yeah, is a different skill set. Yeah. but you can be a nurse practitioner. Yeah. And actually really needs some of that hands-on training yeah. to really back up what you're doing, you know, so that the, the holistic and the massage and things that, that I'm, you know, going to be training in 2023, um, it could suit lots from the holistic to the, the really yeah. sciencey. There's there's skill set that comes from that. Yeah. It yeah. is a skill set. You, the, the, your approach to the client, the way that you touch the client and they can definitely feel instantly whether they know that it's going to be good yeah um and i also think that it's really important that it's all back to the core like fundamentals of the industry of really understanding it's all great when people want to say that they want to do lasers and they want to do chemical pills and things but unless you have those core values um and and you really want those result driven treatments and to understand right to the point of exactly what is going on that's yeah. the that's when you're going to get the true results and really build up a good clientele and be known for being good at what you do do you know what i learned a, a lot about touch mm-hmm. when i trained as a baby massage yeah. Yeah. instructor yes. yeah. so i used to hold groups in my local gp practice yeah. teaching mums how to massage their babies but actually the learning around that it's about positive touch yeah. Yeah. and the history of massage because yeah. that you know touch can be negative as well as positive yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so bizarrely a course that I did in baby massage yeah. has has been quite instrumental in actually how I approach touching adults when I'm probably going to throw a laser over the face <laughs> <laughs> well that's what I keep because we have the girls that are doing level 2 level 3 then level 4 and I'm like what you're learning now at level 2 how to move nice and slowly you should still be applying when you're doing a skin needling mm. because the client needs to be relaxed even if you're about to skin needle their face they need to be relaxed because if they're stressed or if you're not relaxing them that actually creates cortisol which actually creates you know f- free radicals in the body 
So it's it's actually it doesn't have the results. So you always need to come back to that. I'm looking after you. I'm caring about you. You know, you're bringing good energy. You're really relaxing to the client. It's so important. It's a position of trust, especially if you're throwing lasers and needles into someone's face. (laughs) So with in terms of treatments, then what is or tell us your experience, some of your experiences. So what is your um, best outcomes that you've had or any any um, stories you can tell us of how you've really been able to help someone, um, your favorite treatments, and also the bad side. Is there anything that you can tell us um, that you've had to learn from, um, which makes you who you are today? Yeah, so firstly, I think every client you do, as much as, hopefully you know what you're doing (laughs) you're still learning off every skin in front of you yeah because there is an element that genetics is so individual and you might have followed protocols of let's say different types of peels to treat acne and it's been successful and then others you go actually this same protocol it's not working for me on this particular person so it's a constant learning process off the faces in front of you yeah um i think also Throughout my career, what's been successful or effective has morphed and changed over the past 20 years. Because actually, let's say 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been using treatments like IPL and lasers on someone because actually I wouldn't have been allowed to as a beauty therapist. And there's a real blurring between what previously would have been a dermatologist yeah. and now actually facialists, aestheticians, you know, whatever title we, yeah. we kind of got, we're sometimes, I think, possibly better at those kind of things yes. than the derms. A hundred percent. Yeah? Yeah, a hundred percent. Even if I speak to any of the, like, I'll get nurses. doctors and they'll go oh well I, w- I never learned about skin that way or even when they're going to cleansing or you know um, uh, looking at different like how treatments work on the face they're like oh we'll go with the most aggressive or you yeah. know there's it's it's just a different aspect okay the f- the you know the cortisol with stress it's like you're not going to have that aspect unless you've seen it. Yeah. Like you've seen it happen with clients and everything like that. And you certainly won't learn that in school being a dermatologist. You know, that kind of way you're not yep. going. So like 100%, I really, really, I really support the education in, in for the industry for therapists. But also I really think that there's such a huge asset to people, you know, their skin, their uh, way more. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found, um, let's say, the problematic skin, you know, yeah. acne, that type of thing. That Yes, there are certain things I can do in treatment that I know are going to benefit. Yeah. But unless they're going to listen to what I'm chatting about, yeah. stress, lifestyle, diet, maybe refer to a nutritionist, yeah. that's when I know I'm going to get the better, longer lasting yeah. results. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think radio frequency from because you know every time I get a new client in you go right so what's the wish list then <laughs> you know and after you uh, you get to a certain age let's yeah. say late 30s yeah. everyone says jowls they kind of start yeah. you know poking yeah. at their, their neck and their, their cheeks yeah. and things and I know radio frequency and haifu yeah. have probably been the most effective 
that I've got in my clinic yeah. over the years consistently for that. Radio frequency is amazing. Yeah, it's great. Amazing. It feels no comfortable. Time. It's yeah, relaxing. Yeah. Results are instant, but then there's also the longer lasting yeah. results as well. That's yeah, it's amazing. I think obviously skin needling is having a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously been around for years. Yes. And previously when I first introduced it years ago, yeah. the client would have been a little bit nervy. Oh, I'm not sure about this putting needles in my face. Whereas now everyone's like, right, so I've read about <laughs> needling. Come on, let's do this. Yeah. I've seen some amazing before and afters. So it morphs yeah. as to what has been most effective and not. I'm always conscious or aware that my clientele, they don't want anything that's going to hurt too much. Yes. That's my clientele. Yeah. I'm not an aesthetics clinic, yeah. whereas there might be an aesthetics clinic down the road who's doing exactly the same things as me, but the client going through their door is a bit like, right, let's yeah. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always conscious of managing someone's expectations yeah. of sensation and result. And I think that is also a really important thing as a therapist Huge. to be able to do. Yeah. Like I remember, I've, I've said this a couple of times to students, but I have uh, clients that they would have, you know, from the skin needling, their lines would be less. But because it was uncomfortable, because they were red for 24 hours afterwards, that balance of their perception of the results versus the yep. trauma they had to go through, yep. it didn't measure up. Yep. You know, and whereas you have someone who like doesn't mind and then they see the lines less, then they will absolutely love it. So you do have to take into perception. Will the client enjoy the experience? I've I've got some actress clients and they want the results they are immensely fearful of damaging their faces yeah. or doing something that is going to impact on their future career. Yeah. So there's a real balancing act because I know that there's certain techie things that might involve a little bit of downtime, yeah. but that for that type of client, it would absolutely freak them out. Yeah. You know, so, so there's a nurturing and building mm. up of that confidence. Yeah. And I know there's the underlying thread of, I just can't do anything that's going yeah. to risk damaging my face and I find sometimes we'll have all experienced clients like this anything that slightly tingles oh no take it off take it off take it off <laughs> we've all had that yeah. Um, yeah so even let's talk you know the peel side of yeah. things manage over exaggerate yeah. Yeah. oh yeah okay and then they go yeah. oh no it's it's only like a three out of ten yeah so that's yeah. another yeah. tip yeah overdo yeah. the the potential downtime and sensation yeah, yeah. there is no nothing wrong with almost being too honest Expecting too the worst. real yep. yeah like, yeah i find sometimes when i do consultations and stuff with my clients the more that in a way i put them off it the more that they're like they understand you build up the trust and they want to have it done yeah because you're, you're telling them how it is so and um, what could happen <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but, yeah it is it is uh, like i have you know, so I remember one of the times we were teaching laser and mm. one of the students was on the bed and she was getting the laser done and the other students were, you know, standing there. And she was like, oh, oh, that's really hot. That's really hot. And I said, OK, I'll turn it down, knowing it's quite low and knowing she's stressed. So I pressed the button to turn it down. And she was like, OK, that feels much better. And all the students were just looking at me because they knew I hadn't actually turned it down at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, see with clients, it's all yeah. about expectations. It's yep. your stress levels. It's mm-hmm. managing that. It's not necessarily facts, yeah. you know, that they feel that. Yep. It's it's their um, anticipation, their, you know, and it's all got to do with stress in their <laughs> lives as well. Yeah, so another aspect of that that's just reminding you, we've all had that client who's gone, oh, yeah, I love extractions. I need extractions. And you kind of get to that point and, you, and you're thinking like, there's just nothing to extract on this yeah. case. Yeah. However, you have to go through the process of, oh, I'm just doing some. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it keeps them happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we do that all the time. But we know that yes. that's that one yeah. Yeah. to keep them happy. Um, yeah. But then you know you can go on and do other things in the treatment. That will actually oh, benefit the yeah. box for them. Yeah, yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. So the other thing was is um, being a single mum. Mm. It's obviously you know in this industry it's a huge part. Um, we have a lot of single mums and everything like that. And I know the mum guilt. I don't have it personally, but because I don't have children, not because I don't feel guilty. <laughs> but I just <laughs> I've never feel. Um, no, but we yeah. I don't I don't have children, but I do know from like other people, it's that guilt of being aware away or working too hard. How was it for you? Yeah, so when I look back, I'm I'm amazed how rounded and together my kids are. Yeah. Um so I had the three of them as a single mum and we were forever in rented accommodation because I couldn't afford to buy a house big enough to to house us. Um and so when I was working out where where we were living in in Worcestershire and and Cotswolds the juggling of childcare, and I would genuinely have nightmares, wake up in a in a sweat of I couldn't get to the nursery in time, so my children were taken into care, mm. and it was a constant. Where are they? Uh, I'm having to juggle and send them around to the neighbours so that I can do an extra client or even just do whatever work, and then when I started commuting and doing some work down in London. I was in a bracket that actually, um, if I earned any, made any profit, I wouldn't get my benefit help. Yeah. So a trip down to London, the cost of the train, and maybe if I did one client as a pop-up would have covered my cost of the train, but actually that was okay because if I showed a profit, I wouldn't get financial support. So I, I was trapped in that situation. Um, but the traveling down to London and coming back, we ended up, I sussed out that if I could cram the kids into sharing bedrooms, I could get a living au pair at like 70 pounds a week. Um, but the au pairs that we'd get through, I mean, holy moly. I've seen that. I I mean, it's an, I think this is almost testament because my, even though my kids, my youngest at the time was probably six. Yeah, he'd have been maybe five or six, which is young. Mm. And I think because I'd got the three of them, I felt confident that if anything would go wrong, I'd hear it from one of them. Mm -hmm. And they were a team. And they were obviously having these crazy au pairs who couldn't speak the language fully, who frankly were like microwaving peas. Uh, (laughs) You know, so the kids were having to be really self-sufficient. And I now I give it and them the credit but at the time I was just so immensely focused on building a career to better their lives in the future yeah. um, but I know 
they've all gone through periods in their lives of having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. I remember when I'd been commuting down and I'd literally be up at four in the morning. I wouldn't get back until two in the morning if it was a commute day. I was exhausted. I couldn't be a proper mum, let alone try and do my job properly. It was, and it came to the position of, right, I either pack this in because this is not working for all, all of us, any of us, or kids were moving to London. And my family thought I'd gone absolutely insane that moving the kids into London is kind of what people do is move them out of London. So it took me, um, I'm going to say almost a year because I had to find school places for each of them in the state system. Yeah. Uh, in good schools, I had to find a rental place that would still accept partial benefits, mm. which rent, private rental people, no, they, they, don't, they don't like yeah, to do. And even once I'd kind of juggled out and found the area and the schools, you can't officially be given a school place until you're in the property. So I uh, I rocked up to London in my dad's white transit van in his sheet trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> I'd got the kids looked after for the weekend. Um, and on the day that we moved, I think it was the 1st of September, and I hadn't got a space for them in a school. Gosh. I knew, because you had to also get the rental place in the catchments. Yes, yeah, for, yeah. For the schools you wanted. So it was just literally a wing and a prayer and just... Just put them in the school and hope they accept yeah. it. <laughs> but I got a phone call for the two boys saying, you won't believe this, your first choice has come up. Oh. So we're like, right, you know, uniform shop, off we go, brilliant. Wow. My, my daughter, she, I'm guessing she was 11, uh, maybe 12, she didn't have a school place for two weeks. And I was like, what have I done? This is her, because I was having to leave her at home yeah. with some new au pair that couldn't speak the language while I was having to go into central London yeah. to, to, to work. I was still having yeah. to do that. Yeah. And the kids, they weren't used to, I mean, this is Southwest London, so it's not like I'd moved them to Soho or anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but they come from the countryside. Yeah. They didn't know built-up areas. So Tunes, this was, buses. yeah, so this was all insanely new for them at mm. such a young age. Yeah. And suddenly they were having to get themselves to schools on buses and stuff that they'd never done before. Yeah. But they did it. Yeah. But I remember one of my children, we were just moving and we were outside the back of our old house and he looked at me and he said, mum, I'm going to die. I said, what? What do you mean? The fear, oh, and I feel I'm going to die. And he was having a panic attack. Oh, and he, he couldn't understand the emotion or the, the sensation. I could recognize it. Yeah. But he was convinced he was about to die oh, that gosh. second. And I was like, what am I doing to my kids? This is horrific. Yeah. And that guilt never leaves you. No, yeah. It's not just a case of the guilt of not physically being there for yeah. them. It's what are you doing to them emotionally? But, however, I made it, you know, a key part that when I was with them, I was present. It was yeah. always Sunday roast around the table. Yeah. We couldn't afford to go and do loads of cinemas and stuff, but we used to go to the Dogs Trust to go and look at the dogs yeah. <laughs> for free. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and free activities. There's a lot that you can do. Yeah. And all three of my my eldest is now 23, so they're yeah. 23, 20, and 17, 16. And they're all really rounded. I think because of the au pair situation, I can put them in a room with anybody. They could come to a work event with me. Yeah. They can hold their own. Yeah. They can, they're, they're very grown up. They've got that confidence to them. 
and an independence. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Like I like we were having this conversation about like generations and 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 parents feeding they they don't want to they want to give their kids everything but you kind of give if they don't have uh, something they have to adjust to or learn from then they're actually they don't turn out to be as hardworking or independent or you know mindful of others because they've been indulged shall yeah. I say I it is not the upbringing that I'd have ever dreamt of giving yeah. my children yeah I was privately educated I had a very comfortable upbringing myself yeah and I had expectations of what I would be able to do for my children yeah my kids they couldn't go to ballet classes and soccer clubs I, I couldn't yeah. afford any of that yeah I, like I said I couldn't afford the cinemas at weekends for them but you you find other yeah. Yeah. ways yeah. and things around that, and I actually think a lot of parents feel the pressure that their kids must or should do the piano yeah. lessons exactly. because everyone else is doing. Yeah, you know, my my kids are testament. Yeah, they they, they couldn't play a note on the piano. Well, they couldn't <laughs> kick a ball around a field, but they've got so many skills in amazing life. skills yeah. in, in life. other yeah. aspects. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, one of the things I still feel guilt about is I never managed in all of the workings and trying to make a you know a career to better their lives I never managed to buy a house that was their home they've never painted their own bedroom yeah and how bizarre is that but that was a benchmark of success for me yeah but I've given them nice roofs over their heads and all of those things but it's funny we all have our own benchmarks but perceptions of what our lives should or what our children should have and realistically like if we said okay then they didn't have their permanent home um really like that doesn't affect them bad mentally at all at all because like i we've we've moved houses three or four times and my parents like sold our like the one we were in mainly a few years ago and and it's it's like your adaption, your independence, all of that kind of stuff only comes from having that changes in your life rather than being, okay, this is our family house. You know, my parents will make sure I'm looked after me no matter what. And you know, that kind of way that that there's always money there or there's always security. That's not what children need. It's just what we think children need. Yeah. It's it's just life right now. Yeah. yeah and I'm pretty sure that there's going to be people listening that whether they're in a marriage yeah. and they're financially struggling or whether they're a single parent yeah. and they're in that situation, you know, you, you do find ways of yeah. juggling things yeah. and the guilt that you're feeling. Yes. Yeah. I'm, you, you know, I can't say don't feel that guilt yeah, because, you, <laughs> because, you know, we, we, yeah. we do. But there's other ways that you yeah. can be a good and probably better parent. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that actually if I'd have remained in the relationship that I was in, actually you, you do stuff as a couple. Yeah. And actually it's kids, oh, kids, go to your bedroom. Kids, go and play. Go and yeah. I've got such a close relationship now with my children because we're a team. Yeah. They yeah. have had my time, you know, when the kid boys were younger. Some nights it would be me in the middle of the bed and the two boys <laughs> inside, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah um, would I do it differently? I don't know, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's what makes you who you are today, what your kids are today. And they're, and every, you're doing amazing. They're doing amazing. So it, it that's what you need to go through to build up your personality and to 
like you said, be more streetwise, like the thought process. Um, it's just dealing with it's, that guilt. Yeah. I think that's the hard thing at the time is dealing yeah. with that guilt. Yeah. Um, also, I know that um, some of the people that are listening, they'll be asking, how did you build up the clientele? Like where, like how did you get, how did you get your name out there? Like, you know, how did you get those people in, in London? Yeah, so interestingly, there's a few different phases of my career. And if I say, cause I know there's gonna be therapists out there who, you know, living rural, they're trying to just start up a business, whether it's on their own or, you know. Um, and I actually started doing mobile treatments around the local village. Um, and I, I hand wrote a hundred letters and pushed, really? yeah, I did. I, wow. I've got the kids in the buggy and I picked out the big houses in the <laughs> <Yeah>. village <laughs> and put it through. And on the front, I put to the lady of the house. Oh, lovely. And that is how I picked up. Maybe it was just two or three. Yeah. But actually, if you've only pushed 100 on a marketing return, yeah. that's it's a good return. Good. Yeah, especially yeah. since it's not much money as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's ways yeah. of being creative, of building yeah. your career. And quite naively, and it does make me smile, back then I decided... Well, I'll just phone up Vogue then. <laughs> <laughs> I did look up their number once. Yes, yeah. I uh, did. Yeah. And the I editor got put then, through. Yeah. <laughs> I got put through. I just phoned, hello, can I speak to you? Um, that was years ago when they were like, they were a bit more cautious of yes, people just I think randomly. Yes, it was Kelly. I th- anyway, and I got put through to like the beauty editor of Vogue. And she was like, can I help you? I'm like... Yes, I'm, I'd like to offer you a facial. And she's like, who are you? Do you have an agent? I'm like, what's an agent? <laughs> and she's like, well, call me back when you do. And, you know, hung yeah. up, I was like, right, so that's not how it works then. <laughs> um, I definitely spent a lot of time giving free treatments yeah. to people, whether it was a beauty editor, whether it was another business owner. Yeah. Building up that community, that network. I didn't have money for a marketing budget. Yeah. And many therapists are in that bracket. Mm. Um, you know, you might want to invest in whether it's your premises or your equipment. Yeah. And marketing budget is not something that we have. But you can be the best therapist unless you can get out there. Yeah. No one's going to know you're the best therapist. Mm. So... Early on in my career, I learned my time. Yes, I could be paying myself a wage for every hour that I work, but actually that's something I'm willing to give up for networking, for potential growth. Um, So that was probably a key move I chose early on to do. And I think in businesses, people can feel begrudged about giving treatments for free. I would shift that on the head. Not obviously not for everybody, yeah. but selective. It's it's building your network. It might be getting your name out to someone differently, and you never know yeah. how that might come back. I remember, so I found this location in London. I was doing a pop up, and I don't know how it had come about, but I'd uh, I'd been told that we'd been managed to get the beauty director of Tatler booked in. Well, um, however, it, this happened. I think two or three times and every time last minute I'm all set up ready I've made the money I've you know I've, I've got the train down there she's pulled out last minute and she mm-hmm. sent her junior or like the intern yeah okay 
I still did the treatment, built up the friendship. The intern is now the beauty editor at Tatlam, Francesca White. That shows you. You, So you never know. Yeah. And that's a big learning that, you know, don't feel begrudged. You you are still networking. You're still putting yourself out there. Yeah. So don't worry about if you haven't got, like, the the main guy in. Because the main guy isn't going to be there all the time. You know, the youngsters, the interns and everything, hopefully they're the ones that will be coming through in the future. Yeah. And those are the ones that can grow with your career as well. But it might be your local magazine. Your local newspaper yeah um a local clothes shop yeah there's places and things that you can network with which will benefit your business yeah Yeah. this industry i find is very much word of mouth of um of who you are as a person how you make that person feel the results or the or the practitioner therapist but i also do think that if people, a lot of people who come into this industry are probably are from similar backgrounds of um, of um, not much finances to play around with, or their budgets are going into different areas, or there's something that's happened in their life which has given them a turning point to come into the industry. And I find that it is very, you can build up a very successful business with very minimum marketing yeah. money. A, a lot of people tend to invest in it a little bit more down the line when they start putting a team into place. But it is very much like what you said about getting out of the comfort zone and going and doing treatments on these people, getting getting the word out there. Like you said, networking with local businesses. Um, and I think b- between all three of us, we can say we have been in some quite sticky sticky situations <laughs> on being able to get to where we are or know what we know or be able to educate others um because that is that yeah. is that's what business you need to do. Yeah. it's yeah. entrepreneurship yeah. yeah and this is the thing if you're an individual therapist a mobile therapist you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't think you're just like a mobile therapist bottom of the sack. You're a fucking entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're running a business. Yeah, and yeah. you have to do multiple things. I think this is like what's underestimated about, you know, therapists. Um, it's it's this thing of like, oh, you know, well, they only do facials. And it's like we have to do accounting, we have to do marketing, yeah. we have to do, you know, structures of like when we're going to, how we're going to get our business out there, research, training, you know, um oh, there's so many different aspects that we need to be and then it's like you have to be proud of yourself for doing that you have to be proud of yourself to go yeah I'm actually kicking ass and it's also it's a good point that you mentioned all those other aspects that you you need to do your accounting your client bookings um, stock control all of those things because there's a point in your career you might start off and that is all you yeah that's all you yeah all the time you might find that there's a time in your career for you to grow that you might have to bring in some outsourcing. Yeah. So one of my first team members was a virtual PA, Re- a virtual assistant. Virtu- oh, wow. As in, so to start with, um, I'd have a, an email address. I've got my own private one, and then I had clinic at Abigail James. Yeah. And if someone got in touch, I'd say, email my PA, and it was obviously me on the clinic at Abigail James. <laughs> I did that with accounts years ago. I was like, send the invoice to accounts. I was like, oh, yes, I've received the invoice. There we go. It's all good. Hey, you know, as we're growing, that's a good thing. (laughs) But my first team member was a virtual PA, a virtual assistant, working from their home halfway across the country. You know, we never physically met in person. 
but they were a mum at home with children and they could log into my booking system. I use Timely. I don't know whether you're yeah. familiar with Timely. Yeah, Timely's very good. So that, that's another thing I'll, I'll mention in a moment. But that allowed the client care, the reminders, um, the emails, maybe taking a deposit so that you don't get the no shows that you don't earn anything yeah. from. So I'd sussed out that actually that bit of an investment for that team member was worth me doing because the time I was doing it, I could have been earning money more doing a treatment. Yeah. And you have to, you've, you've reached your maximum. Yeah. And you have to sometimes sit back and go, oh my goodness, I'm literally frayed to the edges. I can't cope. Yeah. Okay, where can I maybe bring in some support? And it's about maybe doing those sums, giving it some uh, thought. Um, and I still have, I've got an amazing virtual PA. Alex has been with me for, I don't know, five years now. Yeah. Uh, she's just had a second baby. Um, <laughs> so it just works really well. Yeah. But then the other key thing is when we were starting out, it was like pen and paper in yeah. your diary. Box. Yeah. If you can use a system like Timely, it's a very simple diary management it can text them, it's booked, it's reminded, you yeah. can take deposits, so you're not the one going, hello, can yeah, I have exactly. your bank card, please? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a simple process that, A, it makes your life easier, but B, it makes the client feel more confident in you. Yeah, ah, this is a proper business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's there's two ways of looking at that. Yeah. And I don't, time is not expensive. That's what I was going to say to you because like I've always used Forest, but Forest will be like minimum 250, 300 pound a month. Okay. Which is quite a lot if you're by yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, Unsustainable. For, yeah, actually. exactly. Yeah. So that's what I was going to like um, compare to because I haven't looked at Timely about their pricing and stuff like that. And we do give the students like these are a range of stuff like different softwares to look at, but I actually have never researched Timely. Okay, so I was um, I was one of their first UK clients in 2015. I didn't know that, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, I have actually, I'm just having conversations with them at the moment because I love it so much. And I, I'm, I feel like I'm just about to do a sales pitch. <laughs> but I have got a discount code. I don't know what it is at the moment, but if someone's interested, I think there's like a first three months, 50% off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know if we can add something maybe in the notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. I'm sure no, the no. therapists always, always are grateful for any help. It also know. helps even things like if you want to do courses for your clients, yeah. you can factor all that in. And each time your client comes in, you tick it off and yeah. it marks them off the course. Prior to that, the amount of times I've had clients in and they're going, so this number three, I'm like, I don't know. Oh, God, <laughs> looking back, which one? Yes, that's right. You know, yeah. the amount of treatments I must have done extra on courses yeah. because I, I, I wasn't managing my diary properly. Yeah, yeah or else you're, it's it's the last minute cancellations that always used yeah. to kill us. Yep. Like even in my first job, you know, I remember the, I actually remember the page and all the writings from all the different staff and it'd be like this ex of this person didn't turn up and this person didn't turn up. And like it would be... For us, it'd be maybe one or two of my column, but for the business, it there was like six or seven hours yep. not yeah. being worked within a day just because of the cancellations. I do think the software, and actually we had, so when I started, 
um, opened up the clinic in Barnes, I was obviously doing the training a while by then. But that was the stage where I had to do the same is go back, analyze and go, OK, so I got aesthetic response who were like they do answering service, like a whole company. OK. And they're really, really good. And they just took that on. And like at the time, you know, the, the cost that it saved me yeah. by not losing those people. I do think structure is really important and looking like how you're organizing your day really, really important because you can't plan What's it? Fail to plan, plan to fail? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing. If you're physically in treatment, yeah. you can't do the admin. No. While you, you can't multitask yeah. while you've got a mask on someone's face. Yeah. <laughs> some people try to. But <laughs> so unlike some other businesses, yeah. when you're with a client and where you're kind of earning your money, it's very singular. And I know if you've had a day of clients, at the end of the day, you're kind of exhausted, even though you might not be physically active your mind you're focusing so much on what you're doing so you know if you're finishing at like seven or eight in the evening it's like right the thought of doing you know admin and stuff yeah i I haven't got that in my brain now yeah um so yeah team member you as your business grows yeah adding in team yeah exactly and it's it's that thing of you've one client it costs you this amount of money to get in that client those text message reminders those confirmation emails those things that go out to keep them on the books and keep them going on that's worth an awful lot more than giving you money to go out and market for a new client absolutely yeah, yeah, it's huge. Part I've of got. Um, I know I've said this before in a, uh, in some interviews. I have one of my clients. She says I'm literally her longest relationship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'd say a lot of women are saying that these days. They're like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Has um. So tell us about leading on to tell us about your book then. So what's in your book? How did that all start? Um and. What, what is what, what it's about? Yeah. Yeah. So my first book came out in 2017, and that was called Love Your Skin. Uh, or Love My Skin. Oh, God, I can't remember what I called it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> uh, but interestingly, that book, it took me almost five years to get a book deal. And I was constantly told, look, there just isn't the market for this. Skincare is very, very niche. <laughs> and we've just had Caroline Hiron's book, book who is kind of like, the, the best-selling Amazon book in the UK, like, you know, last year or something. Um, so ha- how times have changed. Yeah, yeah. massively. Um, so that was the first book. And then my second book, The Glow Plan, came out earlier this year. And the first half of the book, I'm going into how we age, why we age, the science of it, sleep, circadian rhythm, stress, what's it doing on a cellular level. So the first book, it's readable science that's yeah. how I kind yeah. of like yeah. to, to explain it. Um, and then the second part of the book is saying, okay, so we found out all this stuff. What can we practically do about it? So then it's a four-week plan to aging well. Yeah. So each week there's affirmations, there's meditations, there's tips on your diet. So instead of going, right, so we need to cut out all of that and all of that, let's build up different practices. So Mm. over the four weeks, there's change that is happening and there's mindset change that's happening. Yeah. Um, There is face massage each week that there's a building up of skills and maybe targeting different areas. And one of the weeks we go into uh, lymphatic work, you know, for maybe someone who's got acne and rosacea and they can't do some of the lifting massage because it's just going to 
mess up the skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the glow plan is about. On the front, it says it's a massage plan, but there's so much more in it yeah. than yeah. that. And I know yeah. I've had some lovely feedback of people who've taken it away as their summer read yeah. this year, and the the feedback has just been amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that there's, there's a lot more knowledge in there than I think people are Perceive, expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's but that's always the same thing. It's like. D- if you over yeah. sell it, then they'll be like, oh, well, I, expect I was expecting a Bible. this. Yeah. Yeah. It is a Bible, even yeah. if you yeah. do say so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank Congratulations you. on that. Yeah. That's really good. Um, mm-hmm. No, but it was, it was so good to hear from you and to hear yeah. all of like your story and everything and the advice. And I'm sure everyone would love it. And thank you so much yeah, for coming thank you on. So much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I've yeah. loved this chat. I, yeah. We could chat for ages. Yeah, I know. <laughs>